Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. So if you tuned into our live stream the other night, where we were live streaming live reactions to the All-Star game. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> James and I got into a brief discussion that we were like, this is actually really important to understand and know. And that discussion was basically about lefties and righties and why it's important to have a diverse handset within a team and then yeah. playing against the team. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, James just looked up some news. He just found out some things. So I'm going to let James lead off. Take it from here. So it's interesting. You know, and I, we try to talk about mainly the best teams in the league on here and, and, and what's going on. Like, I was expecting to talk a lot more about the White Sox this year. Mm-hmm. But their second baseman, Madrigal, he got hurt. Uh, their left fielder, Jimenez, he got hurt. Uh, Adam Eaton didn't play up to par. He left, and now he's with the Angels, which is a good move for them. Mm-hmm. Going to be very helpful with the type of lineup that they have. Um, Robert got hurt. Uh, and uh, so it's basically been Mancada and Anderson, um, Abreu, who hasn't been quite as good as last couple of years, um, Vaughn, and uh, mainly walks and a few homers from Grandall. Very little batting average there. Um, and then Yerman Mercedes, who um, did really well for a bit and then cooled off quite a bit once the league uh, caught on to uh, him. Uh, I, I do think that there is potential for him to uh, make some adjustments and come right back. But with Giolito not pitching quite as good as we've seen in the past and Keuchel not pitching quite as good as we've seen in the past and some of the members of their bullpen having times where they're good and, and mm-hmm. mostly like, I really do like their bullpen, so I can't talk too down there. But um, they haven't quite been as dominant as I was expecting going into the year. And I think we would have talked a lot more about them had those things happened. I mean, that being said, they're still one of the best teams in the entire American league. So that just goes to tell you how much talent they do have um, and what they could do in a healthy years, you know, off the charts. So, you know, definitely if you're a white Sox fan, you should be disappointed by this year, but you should also be very excited about what's coming. So I I do want to talk about that here. And we do talk a lot about the Astros. We talk a lot about the Yankees. Um, I want to make sure that we're doing some more coverage moving forward on the Mets, some more coverage moving forward on the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, Dodgers are consistently good. So most people, I feel like, know their players, but we should still give coverage to them. Of course, because and it's more well-rounded coverage. 100%. And it's like, and that's what that's people want to hear. From. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. It's more well-rounded, and you want people to you experience. And, and the Mets, game. the Mets, and I, we've talked about the Mets a few times. I do want to pick mm-hmm. up and keep talking about the Mets of because course. they are finally coming around, and 
Matt fans have been waiting for this for a while, and I think that they deserve unbiased coverage uh, when they're doing well. Um, like more coverage, they need they deserve more coverage now uh, because I don't think people have been giving them good coverage for a while because they haven't really been good for a while, at least not to this level of of, uh, of talent in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have a lot more young talent than they've ever had. So uh, and they also have a really deep team, a really powerful team. So uh, and probably the second best or the I mean, probably the second best rotation in baseball. But you know whether it's second best or the best with any sort of significant offense that's going to be really big moving forward. I heard Carrasco may be coming off the injured list fairly soon. Um, but to get to the main topic that I did want to talk about, it is some more Yankees news. Apparently judge has COVID or is on the COVID um, the list that is going to prevent him from playing. And apparently Urshela is undergoing COVID protocol meaning he's being tested that he may or may not have it. He's isolating. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an outfielder and an infielder. And we heard Trey Ambergy has been called up from AAA uh, after having a very good offensive year. I don't think it's a bad move at all. Try to catch lightning in a bottle. He's been on fire the whole entire season. And he has gotten better now. Uh, for the last few years, and as he's risen through the minors, he at one point charted as having one of the highest exit velocities uh, amongst Yankees minor leaguers. Um, so even though he hasn't necessarily been a top prospect, that doesn't mean that he won't be somebody who can hit. And uh, we've seen plenty of guys who are not top prospects come along and turn themselves into decent everyday players. But I think that there's a little bit more potential that he's one of those guys who has like a really, really good few months, like three months, four months, and then the league kind of catches on to him. That being said, at this point in the year, that can be really effective for you. So maybe catch some lightning in a bottle, bring him in, uh, at least while Judge is out. And if Urshela's out, um, what we've heard is rumors that Hoi Jun Park is going to be called up from AAA. And uh, he's been batting like 320. His like on-base percentage has been near 500, like 470, 480. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been slugging over 500, and he's a lefty hitter. Um, And that's kind of been one of the bigger things that, you know, people have been talking about with the Yankees is that they need that lefty-righty balance. They had Odor. They had Gardner, so that's two lefties. Hicks got hurt. Wade doesn't really hit. So if you were to add Park in there, that's three lefties amongst the nine batters. Um, and I think that's just enough diversity uh, to make things work. Because if you go with too many lefties, your team becomes susceptible to being pitched a certain way. And it also becomes like the type of team where a pitcher can fall into a groove and also becomes ridiculously susceptible to the double play, especially in an era where so many people like their main skill is getting on first base outside of hitting for power. So you have these slower guys, they're on first base all the time and everybody's pulling the ball into the shift. That's double plays all the time. So you want to have a proper balance between lefties and righties. And that kind of gets us right into the main topic, which is platoons. And having, you know, 
lineups that are more balanced. Um, we were talking about this uh, during the All-Star game, and I think it's a very important subject because it's not so much as you know just having people fall into rhythms because it, 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 handedness will throw off a pitcher for sure. Handedness, if you're a righty, you hit lefties better. If you're a lefty, you hit righties better. Um, and you can find Before ways. Before you or, continue, yeah. I, I explain why. J- just really briefly, just, just say why. So initially, what people thought was that it was all based off of what you see out of the hand best. Mm-hmm. That was the theory. For years and years and years, that was the theory. And, you know, me and Tom Tango, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but he's definitely a brilliant mind in baseball. And he figured this out, which I thought was brilliant. It was a a brilliant observation. It's not so much as you see the ball out of the hand that much quicker, although that is certainly part of it, certainly part of the equation, but a more a larger determining factor is that there's so many more righties in the league, so many more right-handed pitchers in the league he found than lefties that people are just used to seeing that. And whenever lefties come in, it's hard to, it's hard to pick up on the ball just because of frequency. Mm. And it's not because you see the ball so much easier that that's the only overriding reason. Although that's certainly a thing. If you're a lefty, you'll certainly see the ball for a longer period of time out of a righty's hand and vice versa. But what they found is the overall determining factor Mm -hmm. is that there's so many more righties than lefties in the big leagues that, um, you know, batters are just used to seeing righties. So with that in mind, what batters do you think do better against righties? by a good deal than the the ones that see the ball longer. Exactly. Yeah. So with those, with with both of those combined factors, lefties are going to hit righties very differently Mm. than righties are going to hit righties. Um, And that's why when you see these lefty platoon hitters, they actually matter so much more. There's not very many of them as well that can hit for high levels of power. You'll see, you know, lefty platoon hitters that could hit for a measure against righties of like 20, 25 home runs a year, but the special ones can hit for a measure of 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's not as many of them as you would think. There's a lot of lefties out there um, who are light hitters. And I think um, we talked about that very briefly during the all-star game as well. We did that um, left-handed swings. I'm not sure whether it's because, when people are growing up, they have less examples to, to turn to and look at, but it's definitely a situation where left-handed swings are, are more geared to hit the ball out front, more geared to hit lower pitches, more geared to pull the ball, more geared to hit the ball. I feel with backspin Uh, right-handed swings. I feel like, you use a lot more of your back and your legs typically on average with those types of swings. And they're a lot more lever based rather than dependent on uh, form being in exact place. Um, Cause lever based swings, you know, you don't have to have your body completely in space 
uh, in the exact right positions with your swing in order to hit the ball hard and mm-hmm. effectively. You don't see that as much with lefty swings. You don't see uh, a lot of bad ball hitters from the left side. So uh, with those types of swings in mind, uh, they're going to hit certain types of pitchers, certain types of ways. Um, so you have to bear that in mind with regards to looking at lefty hitters that even if, if you could find a, a lefty hitter who's a bad ball hitter, then you're really in luck. Then you're, you're really in a special spot. So it just makes you look at certain players underneath a, a different lens, like uh, Freddie Freeman, for example. He's a great, great hitter, great first baseman. He's a lefty hitter. He does all he does, even being a lefty hitter. Even dealing with, of course, what the shift does to lefty hitters, which we've talked about before. It knocks about 30 points off of your batting average, which is you know absolutely unfair because it doesn't exactly do that to righties reason why it doesn't do that to righties is first base is right there. You're hitting the ball right next to first base. Whereas if you're a righty and you're pulling the ball, you're hitting it away from first base. And a lot of the time, the fielders, when they're fielding it, their body motion is pulling them. The the momentum is pulling them in the opposite direction that they're throwing in. So they can't get as much behind the throw. So it's, it's very different. It's very, very different. Uh, and very unfair to lefty hitters trying to hit for batting average. So um, that's like another added thing is that if you see a lefty who's hitting for batting average, imagine how much batting average that they'd hit for without the shift. So um, it just makes you think about things a little bit differently, the, the, the handedness factor. But uh, there's, there's also, you know, the other layers of it, which is if you have lefties that are declining Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you decline, typically you stop hitting uh, as much as strongly against, you know, your own handedness ball gets on you that much quicker. Uh, you can platoon lefties because they'll still be stronger against righties. They just may not be able to hit lefties as much and lefties, like I said, are the minority. Mm-hmm. So you can have that be one of your bench pieces as a right-handed hitter plays good defense and can come into the lineup whenever you're facing one of those types of guys that way your left-handed hitter even in decline can still get a full season of good at bats because you know like i said right-handed hitters are or pitchers are the majority of pitchers so even not playing them against lefties they get a full season of playing time you know you layer that with being able to move players around the value of positional versatility and it kind of makes you think about left-handed hitters differently it does. Um, but they are very, very important uh, balancing factors. I think like one of the more undervalued guys who's a left-handed hitter out there, you know, if we're just going to mention, uh, you know, a Yankee, for example, is the prospect Estevan Florial. Uh, we know he's a great base runner. We know he's a great defender. Outstanding arm, great range. You know, you, you get the idea, center fielder. Mm-hmm. Um but he's not exactly a guy who you should be expecting to hit for a very high batting average. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think about that and it's like, well, without the shift, you add on about 30 more points of batting average. Uh, well, so, you know, maybe at being a lefty, he actually isn't as bad at, at hitting, you know, for batting average. And I think when you add on the fact that this is a guy who he's got 30 home run power, 
He's 35 home run power. Um, should he fully develop? He's got that kind of potential. He's got the ability to walk, right? Mm-hmm. So some of those walks are going to make up for some of the singles. Um, and he's got that outstanding, outstanding speed. What does it matter if with his type of swing, he's never going to hit lefties? I don't think the Florial has a chance of hitting lefties. I also think that there's a high chance that Florial is not even a 260 hitter in the big leagues, like a 250 hitter, like or a 245 hitter, at least before the shift goes away. But with understanding what the shift does and understanding that he is going to walk and that's going to take the place of some of those singles. So he is going to get on base and understanding that he is going to be able to hit righties for power and and be that stabilizing force from the left side with as good base running as he has and good and as good defense as he has, he's actually a super underrated player. No, he's not ever going to hit lefties at least, you know, not until his wrists become a little bit more loose and he becomes a little bit more confident, maybe gets a couple of years of reps at the big mm-hmm. league. So his bat speed can properly play against them, but he's not going to do it in the short term, not in like for the next like two years, at least, but that may not matter even with a batting average around 245, because he's got all these other skills in his left feet. Now, if he was a guy who was going to hit 245 and, you know, walk as much and hit for the same levels of power, but, you know, again, be a righty. So it shows up differently. So now instead of looking at like a 30 homer guy, you're looking at like closer to 20 homer, 20, 23 homer guy. I don't think that that's quite enough with that level of strikeouts, even with the speed, even with the defense. I don't think that that's a very unique player. A guy who from the right side could hit 20 homers, can walk, strike out, like that three true outcomes thing. And, oh, just because he's fast and can play a good center field, that so – he's, so basically he's a guy who's only committed to swinging really hard at strikes and going to the gym enough so he can run quick. That doesn't work if you're a righty, but it does if you're a lefty. And that's, that's the tricky part about baseball. That's something that took me years to figure out, that little slight difference. And it's so weird because, and I mean, it's obviously why we're having this episode, because we were sitting there doing the All-Star game, and I was just like, but I don't know what this means. And I'm like, and you need to explain it to me. And then I was like, hold up, we're going to do an episode on this because it's like, would anyone figure that out? Unless they're uh, unless they're actually looking for all of this stuff, like you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, digging for, really for different digging, types of undervalued yeah. players. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are too consumed about the results and not how you get there mm-hmm. to understand all of these little things. So, um, and then you know, it's not just about handedness because I think I said this earlier. Handedness definitely throws off a pitcher, but batter height throws off a pitcher batter approach throws off a pitcher whether you're very patient or very aggressive uh and then what you what you what your goal is as well at the plate how you're trying to execute it plays into how well you execute it so in order to have a goal you have to have a role so are you a guy who gets on base or are you a guy who's there to drive in runs so if if you're a guy who's there to get on base and you know that that's your role and that's who you're supposed to be Maybe um, 
you know, your, your, your on-base percentage and, and your, your, your batting average, your, your contact skills will be higher. So it might make sense for that person with that skill set, if you're going to, you know, try and diversify your roster, mm-hmm. it's probably better to have them be righty. Because if they're not hitting the ball very hard and they're just trying to get on base, the, the, the fielding, the, 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 the shifts that you can put on for someone like that are not going to be as effective because if they're pulling the ball, like I said, it's farther away from first base, more infield singles. Mm. So it, it's different. It, 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 different players help with different types of things. And different, different teams understand how you have to structure the lineup in these types of ways, namely the Washington Nationals. And they've been doing this for a few years now. They've been structuring their lineups specifically in lefty-righty ways and understanding what they need from different types of hitters and they're really probably the best at doing it, if not one of the best at doing it. Tampa Bay is, you know, arguably the best at doing it. But the thing is, is that they have different lineups for lefties than they do for righties. So if you're looking at one consistent lineup that is made with people to complement each other, rather than something that you're altering on a day-to-day basis and altering where people are batting even in the lineup for what you're facing just so you know consistency is value players know their roles because of consistency their roles will play up we've seen it with the red sox most notably this year going into the year bogarts devers and jd martinez they knew their job was to drive in runs and that's what they've done so with a team like the nationals you look at jan gomes he's overwhelmingly crushing lefties you look at josh harrison He actually hits for power against lefties. You look for Trey Turner. Trey Turner is a middle of the order bat against lefties. You know, you look at Juan Soto, he hits lefties and righties. So he's still very good against uh, lefties, but he's, he's better versus righties as a lefty. So you have, you know, that grouping of guys just right there. Oh, and Starling Castro. What am I talking about? Starling Castro, who's a bad ball hitter. But mind you, is much better versus lefties than he is versus righties. I think in the last few years, he had like one year where he, I think in, in 2019, each month of the season, he got better. In the second half of the season, he was doing Adrian Beltre stuff versus lefties and righties. But that was the juice ball year. And then I believe in the year before that, he hit it like Adrian Beltre, but he hit that, he hit that way against lefties, I believe. Uh, and then he got injured, I believe, in, in 2020, and I think he might have had COVID. Um, not 100% on the COVID part, but I do know he had a wrist injury. Um, so with that, he wasn't really able to completely be himself. You know, he's a contact bat and a bad ball hitter. Mm-hmm. To be that type of player, you need to have your wrists working properly. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he wasn't really doing anything uh, last year. But no matter what, I do expect him to be able to hit crush, aggressively crush uh, lefties. So you're hitting, you know, pitches that are tough to hit too. Um, whereas against righties, that team has Josh Bell, who's fairly ineffective versus lefties, but a middle of the order guy versus righties, like 40% above league average type stuff versus, you know, he might even be better than that versus righties. Uh, especially at this point of the season, because as a switch hitter, he takes a bit to fully heat up. Um, even though he's not as good against lefties, you know, his best months have been the last three, for instance, especially the last two. 
So he absolutely crushes righties. They got Schwarber, who absolutely crushes righties. So you got those two guys who crush righties, Bell and Schwarber. You got Soto, who absolutely crushes righties. That's that's Juan Soto. I mean, that's Juan Soto, mm-hmm. one of the best players in all of baseball, Juan Soto. 100% above league average last year, Juan Soto. Um, you know, offensively, WRC+. Plus. Um, so they have a very balanced lineup. They have the lefties, they have the righties. And then on top of that, if you're looking at, you know, them defensively, defensively, they check out. You look at them on the bases on the bases, they check out. So, um, teams, I think are really going to start looking into these types of balancing factors over the next few years. And, you know, it started with teams like the Nationals and, and the Rays doing these types of things. And Oakland has been doing them too recently. I think mm-hmm. We talked about that earlier this year too. Um, but it always takes a big money team for the shift to really start happening. And the Red Sox have been on this game for the last few years now. And I think this year was kind of the breaking point. Because the Red Sox are starting people like Marwin Gonzalez. And Christian Vasquez is hitting what Christian Vasquez is hitting. And they ha- they're starting, you know, Enrique Hernandez, who's an okay player. He's an okay player. And Verdugo's, he's not been the guy he was last year, but he's good. He's been good for them. You know, about 15% above league average. Nothing crazy or, or definitely a difference maker between his defense and his offense. But basically all the heavy lifting is getting done by like three players, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Davers, J.D. Martinez. And just because they have enough base running defense and that lefty righty kind of balance in there, different types of approaches as well. um, They are right there with Tampa Bay. They are ahead of the Blue Jays. They are ahead of the Yankees even. They're doing fantastic and they're doing it with this type of balance. And, you know, the Royals won a world series with this type of thing. So it it, it doesn't surprise me at all that the game is starting to go this way and just adds another wrinkle onto why the Yankees have not been as effective uh, as, as they could potentially be because their, their whole lineup is a bunch of righties who uh, the majority of them are very patient approaches. And in order to have, you know, proper balance, you need to have more of this type of diversity. So um, the fact that Gardner's in there is a good thing, but he's replacing Hicks who already gave them diversity. You need to get Odor more at bats. So now with all of these things happening to the team, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, they're, they're going to do that. You know, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's definitely the path forward, but seeing a guy like park come up and somehow get at bats as well, putting three lefties into that lineup. That's what they need. They need something like that because they do not have enough balance and pitchers are falling into a rhythm versus them. And it almost seems like quite a few of their hitters are almost regressing because their launch angles are down across the team. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, you know, we talked about their base running being historically bad on a previous episode, looking at their BSRs. You can look that up on fan graphs as well. You can look up their launch angles on baseball savant. You can look up their WRC pluses, which is, you know, a statistic that I referenced earlier for Juan Soto on fan graphs as well. So definitely check that out. It's um, very interesting and informative uh, statistics. as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. So this is why, you know, a lot of these teams are succeeding beyond what their expectation was, at least for most people. Mm-hmm. We here actually thought the Red Sox would do very good. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, it just surprises me that, you know, the Yankees performed so poorly. And there's numerous reasons for this. I think we talked about it on an entire episode. So definitely we did. check we that had out. We a whole episode. And uh, I think that's pretty much what we got for you guys today. I do want to give a second part about the mechanics of different platoon swings. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you're a lefty, most lefties swing with V swings. And uh, most righties, you know, it, it, it varies. You know, there's, I don't think it's majority V swings or majority O swings with righties. Maybe, you know what? No, it's majority O swings, I think, with righties. But it's definitely something that needs to be broken down. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm giving credit to the people who came up with the V-swing versus O-swing idea. So I'm going to see if maybe we can have them on the show to uh, talk about mm-hmm. it. But uh, th- they don't specialize in talking about, I don't think, the effects that it has on uh, you know some of the things that we were talking about. So uh, they're more like you know actual coaches who work with the athlete, um, which is a different, a different brand of analytics. It's more of let me build on what the player is doing and what the player can do and measure what they're doing and, you know, get to a goal and try to reach goals. Whereas what I'm doing is I'm looking at what somebody is doing, what they were doing. So what they're possibly capable of, and I'm comparing their abilities to other athletes to see how good they are in perspective in the whole industry, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, now that's it for about part one on platooning. Uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Remember to hit that subscribe button. Remember to check out our live stream. And I just really want to say that I really love this episode. And I actually can't wait for that mechanics episode. It's just, it's so interesting to learn how, like, not only things happen, just to learn the foundations of, like, the actual sport itself and, like, the science behind it. Because, obviously... Tons of podcasts out there talk about like what the updates are, what the scores are, what they possibly think is who will win, who will lose, things like that and everything. But James has such a like crazy understanding of like how pitches work and how batting works and just like shifting teams around and stuff like that. And so like episodes like this are really interesting. I hope you all enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. See you next time.